Uh, good morning. It's a, an honor and a privilege um, to be here. Really, really blown away that I can come again this morning and to share God's word with you. Um, I once heard that uh, once is good, but twice is just better. So I'm um, so, so honored to be here this morning. Without any further ado, can I please ask that we open our Bible in James chapter 5. Last week we spoke on James chapter 4, dependence on God, and this morning we are closing it up with Arise and Shine, and we are talking from James chapter 5. James chapter 5. If you are there, say amen. It's 20 verses, so we're going to read quite a bit, but we're going to get there. Warning to rich oppressors. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and the moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. I mean, justice is already so heavy. Verse 4, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who moved your who mowed your fields are crying against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Patience in suffering, verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of, the, of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Amen. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. The prayer of faith, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be given. Amen. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That was a full scripture, James chapter 5. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you. Your 
Word is truth, your word is life. We realize time and again, Lord, that every time when we come before you, you don't, you don't wonder left or right. You, you tell us straight, Lord, how you desire for us to live a life worthy of the call that you have upon us as your children. And those that are not walking with you to come to the knowledge of who you are and to live for you. And so, Lord, we ask this morning as we share your word that, Lord, your presence will be with us, that it will go into our hearts and not only stay there, but we will not be only hear us, but do us of your words in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 5, verse 1 to 20. We've just read it full on 20 verses. And it's amazing because throughout this time we've been doing Arise and Shine, James chapter 1, 2, 3, and now we are in chapter 5. It's all about how to live the Christian life worthy of the call. And so we live in this life now where we say, Lord, we depend on you. Pastor Louis was sharing throughout the book of James, sharing different aspects of what James was saying to the Christian Jews. But this passage specifically, James also speaks to the unbelievers. And as we've been saying, and I said it last year, last week already to say this, that James is like the book of Proverbs for the New Testament. Because of all these things that he's saying, he jumps from one thing to the other, but all those instructions are all vital. Each one of those is important. And we are to apply those things that we hear him saying in this book. So this morning I would like to highlight the title of the message. And this is what James is saying to us this morning. Living with faith and reality. Living with faith and reality. How do we live with faith and reality? How do we hold on to faith but then also face reality? Throughout these verses, we see a contrast constantly coming out. The rich sounds like they're being condemned. Others are encouraged to pray. How do we hold these things in tension? How do we live in faith and reality? How do we apply faith in our daily lives and apply reality in our daily lives? I put up some couple of examples this morning for us. How do, we, how do we do this thing around truth and grace? Well, you have to be truthful, but then you also have to have grace. How do we do love and discipline? You love your child, but you must also discipline them, isn't it? I'm not going to go further because now there's different rules there. <laughs> but we are to provide love and discipline. How about justice and mercy? Where we need justice, but we also want to show mercy. These are the realities. Faith and reality. How do we apply faith and reality in our lives? James is providing us with what we are to do and how we are to apply this faith and reality. The first portion that we just read is this. We're going to speak on the five, I call them the five how-tos of James. The five how-tos of James. So it means it's going to be five points. 
the five how-tos of James. The first how-to is this. It says, how to succeed in spite of riches. How to succeed in spite of riches. When you have money and everything that you need, how do you succeed in your walk with the Lord in spite of riches? Staying humble, being kind, not bragging, and showing off. How do we do this thing? The question then may be, who needs faith when they have money? Who needs faith when money can solve quite a lot of things? I once heard someone saying this, money is like oxygen, everybody needs it. <laughs> but how, we, how do we hold on to faith and how do we hold on to the reality? James, in this portion, he's trying to highlight a point. Here is the point. We are to trust God and not money. Why is that? Because money is temporary, but God is eternal. Money can solve a lot of problems this side of life. But after that, what happens? Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God is eternal, but money is temporary. But then he says... Some people made money from taking advantage of others, being rich, taking advantage of others. I was reading this and a story came to mind. A while back, we wanted our gates outside the yard to be painted. And so we got this guy to come and he gave us a good coat. We took his coat and he came to, 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 to paint outside the yard, but then he was using this spray paint instead of just a normal manual painting. As he was painting, busy painting, after a while, halfway through the job, I just see, no man, this stuff looks messy. On the floor, on the grass, there's paint. On the wall, there's paint. I'm wondering, does this guy paint and then sleeps and then he goes on the wall? I didn't know what was going on. So I confronted him and I said, uh, sorry, I, I don't understand. Why are you painting the wall now and not the gate? He said, no, I didn't see it. Ah. <laughs> how, hey, Emuna, how did you not see this? And so the agreement uh, didn't go well because he thought, no, no, no. It's, it's not a difficult thing, it can come off. But then he's using an enamel paint. Enamel is not water paint where you can wash it off. Once it's on, it's on. And now we are stuck with this issue. We're telling him he needs to clean this up. He says, yeah, I will clean once I'm finished. Once you're finished. Eventually he did finish. I asked him to clean the enamel paint on the floor, on the pavement, on the grass, on the wall and then he started to clean. Now I have to go and buy more stuff to try and clean this thing. Got a steel brush. I had to start helping him. Can you see this scene, Mark? <laughs> Eventually, we all finished the stuff. I wasn't happy with the work. And then he said to me, I'm done, um, you know, 
uh, I think I've done a good job of this. I'm like, this guy is brave. <laughs> and um, once he's done the job, he says to me, okay, now you can pay me. So I said, not a problem. I'm gonna pay you your full amount, but in my heart. <laughs> I'm not happy about this thing. That's me in my heart. I wasn't happy about what happened. I had to buy more stuff. I'm thinking I must deduct from his pay, isn't it? Plus I worked and helped him out. And so sometimes we are faced with those realities. Do I pay this guy or not? Do I pay him his full amount or not? But I remember that I am a child of the Lord and I must hold one without letting go of the other. But then this guy took it further. He said to me, you know with this amount of work that I've done for you, I actually coated you quite cheap. <laughs> you should be paying me a little bit more. Are you serious? I said to him, what you're saying is not only wrong, it's impossible with the work that you've done. And so I paid him his full amount. I didn't deduct anything. I didn't add on anything. And we departed. Why am I telling you this story? Sometimes we are confronted with situations that are real like this one. And sometimes you may feel like I'm maybe robbing somebody, taking away their money, but when the job is not properly done, it's not properly done. And so we are called that we must live honestly. We must live honestly. Now, I could have taken some of his money, made him pay, but I didn't do that. You know why? Because bad money in your bank account, I like to say, it's like a Pac-Man. I would like for the guys to put up a Pac-Man picture for me on the screens. Pac-Man is an old arcade game. If you get bad money in your bank account, if you look closely, Pac-Man has only two things. He's got an eye and a mouth. Pac-Man doesn't have a stomach. What Pac-Man does, if you ever play the arcade game or you check it out on YouTube, Pac-Man keeps on eating the whole time. You can reach stage number 102. Pac-Man will be eating and he won't be gaining any weight. Because he's got only a mouth and a and then I. You do not want bad money in your bank account. Corrupt money, bribe money, any form of money. That's why when we hear the news of people that have already stolen billions, but they still want more. Why? Because in their bank accounts, Pac-Man is busy. <laughs> Whenever, whenever they go back into their bank account, there's nothing. Why? Pac-Man. He doesn't have a stomach. He only has an eye and a mouth. 
That's the reason I paid him, because I didn't want Pac-Man in my bank account. Every time he thinks of me, he goes, that's Pac-Man in my bank account. James is saying to all of us, if you have money, trust in the Lord, trust in God, not in money, and live honestly. Don't allow Pac-Man in your bank account because Pac-Man will chow it all the time. What does this mean? If you owe somebody, pay them because the money in that bank account is Pac-Man. Pac-Man is finishing people's bank account and he doesn't have a stomach. The day that you remove him by paying back what you owe to someone else, by being honest with what you gain inside your bank account, by living honestly, worthy of the call, that's why James is saying that the, 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 the money that's in you, the, the riches that you have, they will be corroded. They will be, they will, they will, they will, they will all uh, fall away because you will not have anything left if you're not living honestly. Live honestly. Live honestly. That's how we are to succeed when we have riches. In spite of riches, we are called to succeed. Why? Because our trust, number one, is not in money, it's in the Lord. The Lord is eternal, money is temporary. We live honestly because we want God's blessing. But when he blesses you and there's Pac-Man in your account, there will be nothing left. You will always want more and more. How to succeed in spite of riches. That's the first how-to. The second how-to is this. How to be patient how to be patient. James speaks about patience in suffering, patience in suffering, how to be patient. How are we patient with the Lord in what he has said to us? James is encouraging each one of us that the way we are to be patient is that we are to allow God's processes to take place in our lives. We are to allow God's processes. People who do not allow God's processes, they are always in a hurry. They are always trying to get to the solution, the quick stuff, the microwave stuff. The world we live in, it's fast internet, fast news, fast cars. Everything is faster and faster and faster. We are called to allow God's processes to take place in our lives. James, in the portion we just read earlier, he speaks about a farmer who waits for the harvest. Now, the context that he uses is the one based in Israel uh, weather, whereby late October, beginning of November, that's when it starts raining, and around March, it stops raining, so you get to do harvesting around April. 
That's a long time. And yet he says, allow the process to take place. If God has given you a promise and it's part of a process, allow him to take you through that process. The Lord is never too early or too late. He is always on time. Can you trust him with the process that you're on? That he will always be on time. With his promise, with his word towards you, he will always be on time. So we are to allow God's processes to take place. We must also wait in expectation that he will do what he said he will do. We must always wait in expectation. Did you hear that? You wait, expectation? Because the Lord is not slow to act. A man once went to a dentist and he had his tooth sore. He got there and he said to the dentist, how quick can you take this tooth out? It's so sore. The dentist replied and he said to him, it's gonna take 10 minutes and I will be done. This tooth will be out. But the man being who he was, he asked a question and he said to the dentist, how much is this gonna cost to take my tooth out in 10 minutes? The dentist said to him, I'm gonna charge you 2,000 rands, more or less. Normally that's how it works with the medical staff, eh? more or less. I'm gonna charge you around 2,000 rand, more or less. The guy started to complain, 2,000 rand for a 10 minute job. How is that possible? The dentist said, not a problem, I'll take it slow out. I'll take my time drilling. And so sometimes we wait and we think, ah, this pain taking too long. But the word of God is encouraging each one of us. We are to wait in expectation, knowing that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do. Do you believe him? How to be patient. Let us be patient. Wait upon the Lord. Let us see him coming through in our lives. And let us continue to trust in him that he's never late or too early. And we must wait in high expectation that he will do what he said he will do. How are you holding up? Both intention, living with faith, and reality. The reality makes you wait. But the faith says keep on waiting because the one that you trust is faithful. We are to be patient. That's why it's telling us in Isaiah chapter 26, verse three to four, it says these words, you keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on you because they trust in you because they trust in you. You keep their minds steadfast because they are at peace because they trust in you. Why do they trust in you? Because it's the Lord who keeps them in perfect peace. 
it continues to say these words that the Lord, the Lord is eternal and he's our eternal rock. He's the one we are to depend on. Let us continue to wait on him. If you find yourself with no peace and you're saying you're waiting on the Lord, oh, your mind is not steadfast. But if you find you are in peace and you're waiting for the Lord, then your mind is steadfast on him. You trust that he will do what he said he will do. Is your mind steadfast upon the Lord? Are you trusting him? Because trusting is not just what we say, isn't it? It's also what we do. Trust in the Lord. How do we live with faith and reality? Money, trusting God, being patient, waiting on God to still come through. We are to hold this thing in tension both all the time. The third how-to that is shared by James is this. How not to sway. How not to sway. <laughs> um, when I read this part, how not to sway, I, I remember a story my dad told me some years ago. He was driving with his friend it was on those roads, you know those two-way roads. There's not like a fast lane. It's just one road one way and the other one coming the other side. And so uh, my dad is with his friend and they're talking. And then behind there was this um, fast BMW car, you know, driving fast. You know, they come so close on your bumper. I don't know if you've ever felt those, those bumps. It's like I always feel like they are actually on my actual... Uh, no, I think let me leave it there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just comes too close, um, you know, on the car. And then he was driving, according to my dad, this guy was driving very fast, came too close. He started to hoot and he showed the lights, but they were not moving because there were other cars coming on the other lane. And so this guy started to look for a chance to overtake, started to look for a chance, a chance to overtake. Eventually, there was a gap. He got out and he started to overtake the car where my dad and his friends were driving. And this guy, as he was driving past, he looked at my dad, and he looked at my dad's friend, and then he opened the window, and then he started to show them the middle finger. And he started to show them, he started to wave it, and 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 then he drove off. Few minutes later, they found him. His car now has hit a pole. He's in an accident alone, and now the ambulance is coming. And then my dad's friend said to my dad, perhaps this guy was showing us that he is going to heaven. James is saying to us how not to swear. He says, do not swear by the heavens because that's where God 
is. Do not swear by the earth because that's God's footstool. And so we are told that let our yes be yes and our no be no. Do not swear about heaven or earth or anything else. The Bible even gets very strong. It says that is from the devil. That is evil. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Simple as that. Not complicated at all. And so let us commit ourselves to be honest in our words. If, our, if, if words become our bond, then let it be. But that's it. No more. Don't swear about your car and your things and your someone else's mom and hey, hey, hey. People swear quite a lot, but the Bible is encouraging us. Do not swear. Only speak. Yes, be yes. And no must be a no. Simple as that. How to live with faith and reality. Reality may desire that you speak and you promise and you overpromise. But the Bible encourages us this morning. We are to say yes and to say no. And that's it. How to live with faith and reality. How do we balance these things? Succeeding in spite of riches. Being patient. Not swearing. Sounds like a lot of things that we need to do, isn't it? But the Lord Jesus, when he was living, he said he will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Not only will he enable us to do this life, he will remind us of all the things we are to do. He will remind us of what the Lord has said we are to do. So this morning, don't feel condemned. Feel joyful that the Holy Spirit is here. Amen. Amen. And he wants to enable each one of us to live this life worthy of the call that we have. The fourth how-to that James provides is this. He speaks about how to pray for the sick. How to pray for the sick. Just want to do this. How to pray for the sick. How do we pray for the sick? The Bible tells us that we must have faith. And the faith, obviously, in this portion of Scripture, it speaks about the elders who come and they pray and that you, the prayer of faith will you know, raise you up and you will be healed and your sins will be forgiven. But how to pray also um, speaks about the fact that it doesn't only restrict for elders. It speaks about each and every one of us who is a believer in Christ Jesus. When there's someone close by who is sick, offer them to pray. That, they, they, that, 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 that you can pray for them and be able to encourage them and the Lord to heal them. I have done that several times already. Someone said to me, um, I'm not feeling well. I'm like, oh, sorry about that. And I don't just leave it there. I always offer to pray. 
If they say no, sharp, sharp. But uh, as far as I know in South Africa, nobody ever says no to prayer. How's that for cool? No one ever says no to prayer. So if there's an opportunity to pray for someone when they're not feeling well, encourage them and, 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 and you know, step out in faith and pray. And you will see the Lord will, will do incredible things. He will uh, touch them and they will be healed. I really believe, I believe that. But also it speaks about uh, anointing of oil. Why would James speaks about, speak about anointing of oil? In those days, we know for the fact that um, oil has uh, some sacramental uh, value or, or some form of a symbolic of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, and that was fine. But the theologians in this discussion, they were speaking about it and said, perhaps it also means something medicinal about it. There's something medicinal about this portion of Scripture. And... It started to, 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 to make sense to me because I was just thinking about it again, that if we are to live in faith and in reality, how do we balance out you know, this thing of, no, I trust God to heal me, but I'm also taking painkillers. How do we balance this faith and reality? How do we balance faith and reality when the Lord doesn't heal us or doesn't seem to be healing us? that we live with some illness or some challenges health-wise? How do we reconcile these things? Have you ever wondered? How do we do with this thing? And James speaks about it to say that uh, we are to uh, look to the Lord and continue to have faith that God is actually the healer ultimately. But at the same time, we hold on to this reality that because we are still flesh and we are living in a broken world and the world that's still full of sin and from, from the fall of, of, of Adam and Eve, that sometimes we have to take that painkiller. It's the reality, faith and reality. There was a young man by the name of Daniel. He was very ill and his parents took him to one of the best pediatric a hospital for ch children in, in, the U in the U.S. And the uh, pediatrician that was taking care of this boy, he, he was a committed Christian. And so one day when everything was done, they've injected the boy and they've done everything they could. He stood with the parents around the bed when this boy was sleeping um, inside this oxygen net, they call it, and he said to this uh, couple, he said to them, we have done everything we could do and we have uh, provided your son with the best that the, the medical science can do. And now um, we wait for the Lord because it's only the Lord that can heal uh, this boy from this point onwards. And so he didn't only stop there, he went further, this doctor, and he said uh, these words, he said that he has found that there is quite a healthy blend between uh, trusting God that he will be the one who heals and a good antibiotic. And um, it was like a shock for them because they would think he would only speak about healing that only comes from the Lord. But you know why he didn't say that? Because God is the source of both the antibiotic and he's the source of the doctor. He is, he is the source of everything that we need. 
Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14, it says these words, for the Lord your God, to the Lord your God belongs the heavens and the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Everything belongs to God. And so the medical science and faith, both are from the Lord. God is the source of both. So continue trusting God and it's great. But sometimes when there's a headache, you just might need to take that pill. And the God is the source of both. And not to have condemnation because we, we learn to live with faith and reality. Holding one and not letting go of the other. We've now spoken on the four how-tos of James, how to succeed in spite of riches, how to be patient, how not to swear, how to pray for the sick. And the last one that James addresses is this. He speaks about how to restore the backslider. When I was reading this, I was, I was laughing, I was saying, James, you were coming up so nicely. Now he's speaking about backsliders. I mean, from prayer of the sick to the backslider. But um, this was important because he wanted to put in everything that he can in this portion of scripture. And he speaks about the brethren who walk away from the faith and they go out and they do live a different life than the one that they profess to live. And so he speaks about the fact that we are to speak truth with love with those that went away from the Lord and they don't want to live for the Lord anymore. We are to speak truth with love. And we are to remind them of God's forgiveness. God's love and forgiveness is crucial. And so you may know people that knew the Lord and they don't want to live for the Lord anymore. This is how to do it, according to James. We are to live a life that encourages others to remain in their journey with the Lord. And so we are to remain in our journey with the Lord. We are to encourage others to remain strong in the Lord. Where do you find yourself in these five how-tos? Are you able to say you can hold on to one and not let go of the other? Do you need the Lord to be the one who assists you to hold on to one and not let go of the other? I think the Lord's heart is that we may continue to hold on to one without letting go of the other. Even with this part where he speaks about others, that we won't give up so easily on others, but we will continue to draw them back to the Lord, speak to them, pray for them. Where do you find yourself? I would like to encourage you with these words. Let us be found holding on to the one without letting go of the other.
Let us be found holding on to the one without letting go of the other. I would like to invite you to stand, please. While going through this portion of scripture, one starts to feel and you think, yes, I'm not doing this fine. I'm not holding tension on this one. I'm, I'm missing out on that. But the Lord knows each one of us. He knows where each one of us is at. And this morning, I wonder if you may open your heart and your mind and you say, Lord, in the areas where I'm not able to hold one and let go of the other, may you help me. And I clearly felt that this morning, we wanted just to um, open our hearts. We can maybe stretch out our hands in this way as a sign of wanting to receive from the Lord and say, Lord, I want to receive from you um, a refilling of the Holy Spirit because I realize in my own strength, it's impossible. I cannot do all these things, but I depend on you to enable me to hold on to one and not let go of the other. To hold on to love and discipline, but you know, there's truth and grace here, there's justice and judgment, all these things, Lord, there are so many. I realize I cannot do it in my own strength. And this morning, Lord, I come before you again and declare my dependence on you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. This morning, Lord, we go through your word and we realize again how, how we fall short, Lord, of your standards, how high your standards are, Lord. But you still show grace and mercy towards us. And you still provide us with what we need, which is the Holy Spirit, Lord. I ask in Jesus' mighty name for everyone, Lord, wanting to receive the infilling again of, of the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you will come upon them, that you will be the one who enable them, Lord, to live a life worthy of their call, Lord. I ask in Jesus' mighty name, be, Lord, the one who enables them to hold on to one and not let go of the other. Thank you, Lord, that nothing is impossible with you. It may be impossible with us, but with you, nothing is impossible. May you reign in our lives, Father Lord. Christ in us, may you be the hope of glory. And so we pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us, Lord. We rely on you. We depend on you. We look to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I want to pray your blessing over your people. May they continue to experience your love. May they continue to experience your kindness. Lord, may you walk with them. May they hear your voice telling them not to the left but to the right. In all they do, Father Lord, I pray your success upon the work of their hands. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are with them, even in these holiday times, Father Lord, each and every person here and their families represented, we pray your protection. You pray your covering. Those that are traveling, Lord, your hand upon them. 
We thank you, Father Lord, that because of you, where we land, Lord, we will also take off from there. Thank you, Father Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings. Thank you so much.